Okay, welcome to Fathers and Founders. I'm here with uh, Sunil Godsey from Intuitionology. Um, and in this interview, we're really just going to um, have a free-ranging discussion around intuition, um, specifically relating to uh, personal and in business, being a, whatever role or hat you wear in this in this space. So good to have you, Sunil. Absolutely. Thank you very much for uh, for doing this. Happy to talk to your listeners and shine some light about intuition in business and in family. Uh, very important, uh, in, in from my opinion, in having a role in both areas of your life. And so, so t- tell me the sort of origin story. You know, um, you know what you do, and and also you know how how obviously you 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 believe in this. You've studied it. You spent extensive hours researching it. So, so, so where, where did this curiosity come from? And, and, and obviously maybe just tell the listeners a little bit about yourself. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm, I'm the founder uh, and uh, CEO of uh, intuitionology.com uh, or intuitionology uh, incorporated and a previous, while well, still founder of radical solutions group, which is uh, sort of a coaching, uh, coaching one as well. And so the, the, Kind of the reason why I kind of got into intuition was really from my first book. And my first book was called Fail Fast, Succeed Faster. And the idea or the premise behind that is that if I took a bunch of executives and I interviewed them on entrepreneurs and I talked about their hurdles and the mistakes, then if someone is to read that book and they don't make those same mistakes, then theoretically or conceptually, they should be able to succeed faster. And so many people, when I used to st- speak on stages around the world, like entrepreneurs used to come up to me and say, okay, Sunil, give me the one thing I can do that's going to help me succeed. And you know, at that time I used to roll my eyes saying, okay, well, th- th- there's a whole reason why I have got 400 pages of, of case studies and, and research <laughs> in this book is because I don't think there is one thing until I went back yes. to the audio files. And when I went back to the audio files, 90, 80 to 90% of them use some form of this intuition. I should have known. I knew what the right decision was. Some people actually used uh, the word gut or, or intuition. And it really got me thinking, wow, you know, I didn't realize that so many business people, re- it was such an important part of their life. And so I remember when I was five years old, so I'm thinking, re- reflecting back to my time. So when did I kind of use intuition? Now, of course, hindsight's 2020. And I remember at five years old, I was, uh, there was these video games that my dad, uh, I wanted my dad to buy. And he said, Sunil, look, they're too expensive. And I distinctly remember this voice saying, Sunil, go door to door to raise money. And at five years old, I went door to door. And on a Saturday, I raised $200. Uh, $100 went to my dad to pay for the video games. The other $100 went to charity, which I really loved at the time. Um, and it was just like amazing. Like, how, And so that was sort of the breadcrumbs of entrepreneurship that kind of came through me. I mean, it was, and, and everything I look back at now, um, entrepreneurship was part of my blood. But I remember that the times that I ignored my intuition, like three devastating things happened. One was I drank the societal Kool-Aid or the South Asian Kool-Aid, which is if you're South Asian, and especially if you're male, and even worse, a South, the firstborn son, and I fit all three of those categories, then there's four door, career doors you have, doctor, lawyer, engineer, or failure. And so I picked door number three, became the engineer, my dad was an engineer, and I absolutely hated it. Uh, yet uh, two, two years out of my three-year stint in engineering, I got a chance to become a private investor with a Mexican restaurant that we brought up. It was a chain from Mexico. We brought up to Canada. Uh, And pretty soon I was making five times more in dividends than I was. And that was part-time than I was full-time as an engineer. In year three, I quit engineering. 
I lost, sacrificed my relationship with my dad. That was a necessary thing, but I was doing what I loved. And next thing you know, you know, five or six ventures later, $20 million in revenue. I was just, I was on top of the world. Uh, and I was doing exactly what I wanted to do. Ended up going into management consulting, helping a lot of firms sort of with their businesses. Got this massive contract in Silicon Valley. The money was amazing. The problem is the contract terms kept changing. Every time they sent me a contract, something was changing. And there's something was telling me back off, but the money was so good that I went down there, spent every penny uh, to go to Silicon Valley and the company didn't pay me. And I came back with 25 cents in my bank account. My wife was in India at the time. We were about to be married in a couple of years. She's phoning me saying, hey, honey, how's it going? And I'm saying, not too bad. Wondering where I'm going to sleep that night. Uh, and the third one was, was when I was in engineering, I had a friend of mine who was being stalked at the time and she wanted some personal coaching for me. And, uh, you know, this something again was saying meet with her that afternoon. I didn't have anything on my agenda yet for some stupid reason. I said, let's meet a couple of days later. And the very next day, that same stalker walked up to her to, at a bus shelter and put a bullet through her head and killed her instantly. Sure. So now that's so so it's, uh, it's it's kind of it's from from extremes, you know. I think from a from a from a timing perspective, when you're younger, yeah. from being five all the way through to sort of the, from a disaster perspective, and and, yeah. and 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 it's um you know from my side, you know, I think I think there's a, a lot of these stories that we tell ourselves, specifically, you know, like and and we 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 somehow inherit those from from our upbringing. Um, and I've, I, as entrepreneurs, and and I've realised, you know, the mindset is one of the most uh, critical things, you know, that yes. you need to protect. Um, yep. And then at the same time, obviously, back it up with experience. And I think, you know, as as we kind of reflect, and uh, kind of I'm over forty, you know, like, and with kids, you, you kind of you, you want to sort of it's your second chance, you know, to kind of you know help if if need be. Um, so so t yeah. tell me w w with regards. Um, into intuition and 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 what what does the science say like and and more specifically um you know what what are the how do you how do you develop it i, I guess it's kind of like a muscle um yep. you know you've got to kind of be a, a mindful of it and aware of it but, but 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 just just share a couple of um yeah a couple of, of your advice and, and yeah absolutely so, so so the science part was really important because i saw it as an art and a science and what what, what happens when i got through those experiences and really kind of discovered why do I do this? Which then became my second book, Gut. It was really about this art and science that I thought. And, and when I went out to look at, de at a definition, I couldn't find one that really resonated with me. And then when I looked at the science, there was tens of thousands of articles on it. So intuition actually hits the amygdala, which is your, your the prehistoric, the, the prehistoric well, not prehistoric, but you know, the primitive part of the brain. So there's no language around it. And so there's no, that's why I couldn't find a definition because it's, it's my own definition. And I, if you look at the neurons firing off, it's one of the things that that uh, intuition actually does. There's four types. One of the one of the types is called experiential intuition. So your experience does count over time, good and bad, formal and informal. And it's not just yours, but the others that you're also observing. And it all parks this in the subconscious area of the brain. I saw MRIs that show, showed where the brain lights up. Uh, academic research calls it, there's the X system versus the C system, or another one calls it system one thinking, system two thinking, a really popular business literature uh, article on that, where system one thinking is your quick intuition. System two is the rational sort of slow logical thinking. Uh, and so all these articles are saying it exists. I saw one article that said that intuition, uh, this is now, we're going now into 2013 our, uh, research. Um, 
intuition actually happens seven to 10 seconds before you actually make a decision or take an action. And I'm told that neuroscience research that's actually coming out of University of Toronto, a colleague of mine is in touch with the researcher because the research methodology has gotten better. That has now been clocked at 23 seconds before we actually take a decision or make an action. Let's take it now to entrepreneurship. When they, when they actually measured entrepreneurs and they used skin conductance and heart rate um, as a, sort of a measure of intuition coming in, they confirmed that, that these things triggered seven, uh, on average seven seconds before an entrepreneur made a business decision. So I'm like, wow, like there's so much research here. Uh, and then one of my premises was that you're born with intuition because it just makes sense. Uh, if, if you're collecting all these experiences in the subconscious of your brain, um, then there must be research on younger generations having it. And of course, I had it at five. And lo and behold, there's this research article that says that they tested infants as young as two months old. And the, the types of, of experiments that they had two months the children go through showed that they had intuitive tendencies that didn't go through just your your usual reaction to, you know, if a block falls, you, you're looking at it. It was totally different. It was, it was things that they wouldn't have done that were habitual in nature. So so really interesting stuff from my perspective. And now I can hang my hat on some science that comes. There's this art now called the signals that is very unique to each one of us because we all have our own unique experiences. And you were talking earlier about a muscle. Well, that intuition does develop over time because you are going to go through other, other experiences. And like I trusted my intuition, I now know that there's positive signals associated with it. When I ignore my intuition, I now know that there are negative uh, signals associated with it. And these are all different to each one. So I may have a flow. You may have the dots connect from a positive perspective. I may have the hairs on the back of my neck, uh, uh, you know, come up. You may have a gut feeling. And we also may share the same signal. But if yours is signal number one and mine is signal number three. So yours is good because you picked up the first signal. But if mine is signal number three, because I haven't done the homework and figuring out what my signals are, then that means I've missed two signals. When I've missed two signals, because they usually start as a whisper, I've made two bad decisions. Those two bad decisions could be that uh, I may be stubbing my toe, or it could be that my business is headed for bankruptcy. Y you just don't know the veracity of those because you don't know how devastating it was to miss that signal in the context that's in. So. As a business person, uh, you know, and you were talking earlier about reading people, 100% of the time when you go, any deal that's put together, and I've interviewed people who've bought other companies, they've, they've left deals on the table because they didn't trust the other uh, people, the other team, or when they did take a deal because of the money or what was sitting in front of them on a piece of paper, it went south because something was wrong and they ignored their intuition. And sure enough, their enterprise value either flattened or went down, um, or they had to kibosh the whole, or they got rid of it, or they whatever the case is from a laggard indicator, if you want to hang your hat on stats, the problem is that these are laggard indicators. Your intuition is your leading indicator. And that's where people go wrong is because they don't spend time worrying about the leading indicator. They're all hung up on the stats. And if you want stats, I mean, if you don't hire the right people, uh, right? Mm. It's up to, seven, think... up to $750 billion in, in revenues lost. 
Yeah, I, th- I think just com- just coming in there and just kind of tying it back to kind of my own experiences and that is, uh, yeah. you know, I, I've, in- I've interviewed uh, uh, Marvin Lair, who's basically, uh, he was ex-500 startup, so he started the whole accelerator program, started the Silicon Valley office, and I, I go back, way back when, when I brought Yahoo to Africa, he was my sort of uh, oh, client. Wow. Um, and and essentially what he, what he says, I, I kind of, when I first joined this firm, um, this kind of uh, accelerator venture capital firm, I kind of said to him, listen, um, you know, what do I need to know? What's the playbook? <laughs> Just to the point of, of the, when, when you had that uh, that speak and the entrepreneur came up, he said, listen, you, you need to have a, a diversity of people in your team. And, and generally you need sort of, to your point, signals, you know, so you might have a positive signal or a negative signal from an individual in your team. So if someone says, no, this is a great deal, we must do it. And then the other person goes, no, this is a terrible deal. And, and, and you'll get the people who are constantly saying, no, it's a bad deal, who generally it turns into a good deal. So even when they say that, it's a signal to the group. Um, and, and I think it's, it, it kind of overlaps a, a, a sort of, um, the, the, a, a sort of a theory or, which has been proved, the, the sort of, um, wisdom of the crowd, which I love. You know where you know you can get some really good if, if it's very clear exactly what what the outcome you know you can get quite accurate in in your assessment you know so uh, and then secondly what what we find also when we when we have entrepreneurs when we, we're looking at businesses is um co- co-founders you know that if there's a solo fa- founder versus co-founder you've obviously got two individuals who, who've got different intuition you know on different things with running the business so by having two individuals you obviously sort of mitigate the risk um, and then finally um you know we we we, we and my colleagues we, we everyone's got obviously lots of experience but you can't really hang your hat on exactly why a certain deal um you know is not so great and 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 over the time uh, the partners um, have, have kind of developed certain signals. Um, so for instance, they create something called, you know, the walking the stair index. So they, they intentionally will want to go to the, the, the office a little bit earlier of the company that they, they, they're doing a due diligence of. And they look at the staff who are climbing the, the, the stairs, you know, so if they're climbing it very fast, it's a good sign. If they're climbing it very slow and lethargic, it's a bad sign. So, or signal that obviously from an intuition and experience perspective, you know, will, will indicate, uh, you know, something about that company. And then obviously, I guess it's a combination of all these signals, which will then sort of, um, you know, drive your intuition or, or, or the, the sort of the manifestation, the somatic manifestation of these signals, you know, in, in your individual way. But I guess it's just being aware of it. So yeah, that's just something I just wanted to add to what you said. Yeah. And, and this is now where we get to the complexity of intuition, which is what I found out the there's actually four types of intuition. We touched upon uh, experiential intuition. And just in the example that you're given, you, you gave, the other three types, one is called uh, situational intuition. This is where you go into the office early and you take, what does it feel like? What, what can you get a sense that it's it's uh, it's like a house or a home? It's a warm office or cold office. You get that sort of internal temperature they feel like. And, and because again, this is, a, we're talking about the amygdala. There's no language. These are feelings. So And, and everybody's gone through this where they walk in like, there's something off here. Or I just feel right. Like you go to a beach uh, or something like that. It's just like, oh my God, you know, I just, this, I can just lay here for, you get, everybody's got that. This, the sec, the third of the four is called relational intuition. This is when we're looking at people there uh, and, and it, it takes 
a research sh showed back in again 2013 it took only 14 seconds to trust someone uh, based on their their facial expressions body language tone do the actions match the words uh, unless at half a, a half a second to to look at a twitch that's deceptive or trusting in nature so there's all the signs that backs exactly what you're saying and the fourth is called creative intuition creative intuition is is the decision you make uh, and how creative is it is is just how obtuse you kind of make it um, and so it could be just a mundane routine one that your intuition is saying, yeah, you know, it's great. This is a safe environment. Keep walking. Or if the data is saying one thing and then your intuition is saying, uh, even though the data is heavy here, I think we should go there. Um, that's creative intuition juice is working. And then it always ends up at, at the right way. And a great story is uh, John Rothschild, who was a CEO of Care Operations. This guy was an investment banker, three to four million dollars a year. Uh, you know, high-end uh, uh, you know, private jets, limousines, high-end restaurants, and he wanted to quit everything to run this tiny bankrupt little restaurant. Everybody's saying, "What? What's wrong with you? Like, I, I've got the psychiatrist on speed dial here. I've got a case for you." But he did. He quit. He he went to his wife and he just said, "This just feels right." Interestingly, he was a non-believer, and in an hour, we went from not understanding what intuition is to explaining to him about the four types and the signals and he absolutely gets it from his experiences his definitions his what he went through so when he quit that investment banking world he went to run this tiny bankrupt little restaurant uh, and when he walked into that restaurant that restaurant was Eastside Mario's location number one that ended up being over a thousand locations different brand names 20 years later two billion dollars in revenues paraphrasing all because of intuition and this is his words now going from when we started the camera an hour earlier yeah intuition you know i i could shake the, the hands of the man who has these omens or yeah intuition doesn't figure into business decisions it's just because he never understood it from his perspective and so this is where this is my job as, as it with intuitionology is this this is all subconscious phenomenon that you have i'm just educating everything that you have and when you understand it like john you understand how it's now operated in your life and now you have a template on understanding it so you can operate further in life and in your families as well it's the same thing and and tell me like how what are the like what are the practical steps like what is what is like uh what is the white belt of intuition you know up to the the yellow belt and and the uh i forget the next belt after that I uh yeah i think you get a purple blue yeah so so what, what what in order to get people you know to start to recognize their, their yep. own um so what, what do you suggest yeah the very first thing and it, people can even do this uh, now while they're even thinking about this as they're reflecting back on their experiences if you look back on all your experiences both good and bad what did it feel like in that moment and what you take you take one instance and you ruminate and so so what were the signals like obviously you'll get one that comes up right away but you don't know is that the first one we we're talking about the first or the third the, the, the last one that you'll know notice is generally the loudest because it's getting bigger uh and so and you keep going back and making a list of it and then now you're getting this inventory of positive negative signals uh and in fact what i do is is when you come onto the intuitionology.com website i have a there's a free seven day challenge and what that does is it 
here's you you select the problem i'm going to show you in this seven step process how to use the intuitive signals to figure what they are so that you can actually solve your problem and actually measure your intuition uh, from a percentage basis at day two and day seven so you actually see it strengthening in seven days and i've had 54,000 people through there 100 percent of the time they've strengthened their intuition and that's that's what you do is you take stock in your inventory and now you've got that inventory of signals the next thing is that every decision you make you just pay attention and you take the time to pay attention so if you go to the office early or you take a walk or you go sit on that cycle or you think in the shower whatever it is where you can cut out the noise you you're listening to those signals uh, or while you're having that thought about what to do what does it feel like and oftentimes like for example the middle of the night it happens like almost every night for me again last night as well i think i we were uh, texting i was i was up at 12:30 uh, in the morning uh, my time here i was up with a marketing decision i saw your your podbooker message come through uh, but i was thinking about some marketing thing that was really not really struggling with it was a question mark the night before i was talking to my team and then, you know, I was thinking about avenues and I'm listening for the signals. And it was very clear, like there's two signals that were kind of like this. Mm. It was a resistance to me. The third one was, oh yeah. And then, the, and then the dots connect, bam. That's the one that I'm going to talk to my team about this morning. Uh, you know, after we, we hop off this, uh, this, this podcast interview. So that's how it really actually functions. And it, like you say, you have to practice it. The problem is that we fall down because we get complacent. We fall back into society's rules. We fall back on trusting people that we should be filtering out out of our lives. And it's we have to be on all the time. And you have to live in the present moment, as I continue to say conceptually. But it's just being present and thinking about those decisions all the time. And and that's how you get yeah. good at it. And I think I think just hearing you, I think also in this kind of very sort of distant world, you know, where where you you don't have as many sort of cues or signals, you know, I think I think yeah. it's it's kind of uh, you know the one thing that I do, and I don't know if it's in, in your sort of step process, but but obviously I listen intently on sort of keywords that someone uses, yeah. or you know, just just to properly from an NLP perspective, you know, what, what yeah. exactly are they um, sort of thinking or, or feeling. Um, and then also, um, you know, it, it also um, it sort of rose, sort of something also came came to mind was was what what happened to you. It's also, I guess, it's kind of what Hemingway did with his subconscious. You know, before going to bed, he'd always sort of like write and then finishes his kind of his yeah. his paragraph half finished. You know, so that during the night, his you know his brain can kind of process. And I guess in the same way i think if you practice it with your intuition you, you can kind of get better at it while, while you're doing it um tell me something yes. there's just two 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 points that i just want to sort of raise with you firstly like yeah. you know if you're working within a team or even as a father to his son or a mother to her daughter like yeah. are they can can intuition be taught um you know like and passed down because obviously the, the the more experience you've got them and the more maybe in tune you are with your intuition you know there's always you'd hope that there's transfer you know specifically with with certain situations yeah so so that's the first one then I'll, then after your answer i'll just kind of go yeah. into the next question 
Absolutely. Yeah. So with teams, it's it's very important because intuition is a two-way street. So as much as intuition is, is so my intuition is looking to you to see if you're trusted uh, in a team environment or a business deal, your intuition is looking to me. So if you look at it in a team environment, if somebody does not feel psychologically safe, that they can actually uh, voice their opinions, that you allow them to be creative, you're not hanging, you know, you're not berating them, they're not beholden to, uh, you know, carrots and sticks that are just sort of unrealistic. And there's no empathy. And empathy is not about big, being hugging and kumbaya. Empathy is just means that you're, you're just respecting that you're giving, you're knowing the other person, right? As a person. Uh, and so when you have that type of environment in a team setting, that's when your productivity really, really increases because people still feel comfortable. They feel compelled to work for you and they don't want to go anywhere else because you treat them well. Uh, and so, and, and oftentimes, you know, money is not, it, I mean, that's a temporary solution to a long-term problem because money's great. You know, it's a nice spike that you give them lots of money, but if their heart's not in it, or if, if they intuitively know that, uh, you know, you're a crappy boss to work for, they're not going to tell you that. They're just on, they're going to be looking on the, while their work is supposed to be working on a project, they're looking for jobs, right? And so, you know, that's those are the intangible things that happen. And more and more companies are realizing that. It's just that you have to take, now the concept and turn that into a reality that's the hard part for a lot of the for managers and senior management is really doing that and it's, it's sometimes it comes back to okay what are our core values do they really mean something rather than something on a wall i mean half the ceos don't even know what their core values are uh and even less uh, the employees they have no clue what it is like if you put up what's the best customer service i mean I, I, there's so many companies that have that what does that mean again intuition a feeling what does what does a company feel like what does an employee feel like working there and so that's that's what happens in a team setting in a family setting unfortunately what happens is that we don't talk about these things formally now my kids they're both i have two girls nine and 14 and they've had the luxury or not of me talking about intuition all the time at home so as much as i'm thinking even last night you know they have my my daughter's stuff as dad you're always talking about intuitionology um and so they as much as they roll their eyes you know part of them is really under, trying to understand what is it, intuition and so even my younger daughter last year she was asking about you know dad i often hear you talk about you know uh, what, what these feelings these, these signals what is it how do i understand that and i said well i just gave her an example same thing i was telling you when you do we'll talk about the white belt go back to a time when intuition can hit you for, for my nine-year-old at that time eight i said well well did you ever get a sense that something was wrong and and you know you just you made a decision because of that and she goes yeah there was somebody that i didn't like it was bullying someone else uh, and i didn't like that and so i decided not to be their their friend so this is now my younger daughter moving away before she gets bullied because she sees behaviors that are against the values that we uphold as a family and she's able to do that and then she gives me one more example and she goes you know dad i was sitting on santa's lap one time and he's asking me questions and his breath was stinking and she's pinching his nose and then she goes my intuition is pointing out to her temple was saying go eat a candy cane and he ate a candy cane and his breath felt much better and then she goes always trust your intuition i said now you get it right so that's how my nine-year-old gets it my my 14 year old uh, she she talk, we talk about intuitive moments uh, and when she 
just gets it and and inspiration and talk about a lot about passion and not following society because of what I went through. You know, what do you really want to do? What's in you? Don't worry about yeah, you know, being that doctor, lawyer, engineer. Don't worry about you know, mom and dad will help you. But what do you want to really do? And you're gonna develop that. You know, she's still young, but she's she has what she wants to do, and it's gonna change. It's it's up to me to 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 have those changes and see how the guys are and give her some loose walls to go by but in the end she has to develop that thinking she both of the girls have to fail and so back in 2012 uh we went to india and she got inspired she's an artist she's been painting since she was four you can see the the uh, paintings behind me here that's my uh, my 14 year old she's painted this about two years ago uh and so she saw these uh she's paintings with from and she was like shocked these are great what was really critical to her is was that these were from artists with no arms and she was like sure. oh my god dad like i i need to help these people they, they have like these people are just normal uh and it was that that purpose so this is where purpose comes in like you, you can be passionate about art but purpose is how are you going to turn that passion into something that's meaningful uh, and in a business perspective, meaningful enough that people are going to pay you for that because they're going to latch onto your purpose and pay you again and again because they believe in what you're doing. That belief will, will trump any kind of marketing message out there that's going to pull you away from that. So she wanted to really do something. And I said, well, it has to come from within you. And six months later, it hit her. It, we call I call it an intuitive moment. She, all the dots connected for her. And now this is somebody who's 12. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to do these pop-up events. I'm going to sell my paintings. Uh, I'm going to raise some money. I'm going to have a fundraising event and we're going to make, uh, we're going to bring people with disabilities and illnesses together to just to get them to paint and express themselves through art. And I said, okay. And next thing you know, we, we had a federal corporation. We have a federal, she runs an actual federal corporation. Uh, she has a website called hardification.com. She's raised over $30,000 in a year and a half. Uh, she doubled what she wanted to make at a fundraising event. All her originals were sold in an hour. We had someone from Scotland on FaceTime wanting to purchase one of her originals. Uh, and she had a pop-up event. And the moment that her purpose was solidified, this was an intuitive moment that was amazing. So one of the guys who attended had, had uh, cerebral palsy. Uh, sorry, Parkinson's disease, Parkinson's disease. And he heard about the event. He came, he said, Abni, come here. And his left arm is just shaking. And he says, watch. And then he puts the brush and a paint, bit of dips it, puts it on the canvas and his arm just settles. And he says, my brain is just flowing. This is what's, what this event is doing to me. And it just hit her. And that's how intuition works when it matches passion with purpose from a child's perspective. And it's just allowing them to do that. But it's also allowing them to fail. She has her tantrums. She's learning about time management. She's learning to be an entrepreneur. She has a podcast series of her own. She forgets to do things. She gets berated for that because she has to learn the ups and downs. It's not, it's not rose-colored glasses. There's a real learning process as any entrepreneur goes through. She's just doing it now from 12 to 14. And there's implications for that. And she has to learn about the implications. I, th I think it's it's kind of um, I guess it's I guess it's listening to that voice in your head and, and seeing how that resonates as well as and I think I think where, where I'm coming from is is obviously there's a whole, it pulls across a whole lot of other things so like especially from a, a value exchange or like a purpose you know I think so intuition is, I feel is this kind of bubble that fits over it because you know obviously with 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 more 
intuition, obviously more confidence specifically for, for young girls. My, my daughter yep. is 12. Um, and that's that's for as dads, our, our biggest thing that we need to do is to give our daughters, you know, confidence because obviously there's a lot of stereotyping and a lot of pressure and obviously, you know, with devices and FOMO and even more so now being locked up and not being able to have prom and, you know, and, and really sort of socializing with it's important. I think I think also you touched on a good point, um, which which when I sort of thought about sort of intuition and and the time, I actually applied what the white belt sort of <laughs> was was yeah. when I was actually um, in Cape Town. Obviously, South Africa has got um, you know its its problems, obviously crime and, and poverty, and, and I was actually doing a, a, a shoot for Volkswagen. There was a Jetta commercial, and it was late in the middle, late at night, early morning. We went through the whole 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 um, evening and morning, sort of shooting this commercial in this sort of block city block and and i remember walking back to my my car and and we always sort of say so you, you you have this embedded sort of um sort of street intuition but but it's kind of being streetwise you know about so you don't feel quite right so there was a kind of situational intuition where i just thought i should run you know i just said no i've got to run to my car and and they were actually um sort of i was being followed by some um you know the, street children or whoever they were but I, they, they were going to rob me you know with my cell phone and, and, and camera I had a camera at the time with me expensive sort of camera for, for the shoot so it's quite interesting so so for me I, I think that I get the sense that the the, 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 the worst the the more bad the situation is, you know, the, the, the more it can sort of anchor in your sort of intuition, you know, around sort of an experience. So is that is that correct? You know, that, that uh, from us, yeah. Yeah, and, and unfortunately, some people have to hit rock bottom uh, to actually appreciate it. And when I, and I've got a podcast series, and when I used to start them, I used to ask, uh, you know, when did intuition impact your life uh, originally? And, and, 100 percent of the time it was always someone who had gone bankrupt who almost tried to kill themselves uh one started saying i was sexually assaulted we spent the next four 45 minutes talking about all the intuitive indicators that were telling her not to go there uh and it, on multiple occasions and so this is what happens is and intuition is always shining a light so even if you go through a bad experience it's always there uh, and you just have to look up and some people also mistake intuition for a bad event so no 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 my intuition got me to go down that bad event well no actually no uh, intuition is always right there's there's four, four intuitive hurdles that actually get in the way of you uh, listening to your signals and these are fear is a big one uh, ego and it's not just ego narcissism but it's also following the herd being too rational and being too uh, emotional and those four hurdles really, really kibosh your signals. And when you allow, and that's because you don't trust yourselves. You don't trust your own values and you put your values in other people's, in other people's hands. And so that's why then these, these hurdles squish your signals. And a great, a great uh, example of this, Mark Metry, he's got Humans 2.0 podcasts in the top 100 in Apple. He was on my uh, podcast series and he developed social anxiety. And in high school, uh, he started, started telling me, you know, intuition uh, sometimes takes you down the wrong path. And I started to lie more and more, and I ended up trying, almost killing myself. And I said, "Hold on, Mark. Let's let's." Because I, I was listening very intently. When people tell me about intuition leads them down the wrong path, my ears perk up because I want to find out why. And so, as he's telling the story, I said, "Look, Mark. If we were to rewind the podcast, uh, and I, which I have done, uh, is and I said when you started this story about lying, 
the first thing you said is right after you said, uh, you know, intuition sometimes takes you down the wrong path. You said, I knew I shouldn't have lied, but, and then you started telling the story of lying. I said, boom, that's your intuition saying, no, you shouldn't have, but you chose because of ego to follow the herd, to fit in, that you start to lie again and again and again to the point where you actually wanted to take your own life. So, and I had to educate him on this and, and this is where a lot of people, and he's not just the only one, there are others that just don't realize that. Um, and the other thing that people also don't realize that when they make a bad decision, it's actually there's something called opportunity cost. It's two times the bad decision, right? It's not just the, the, the cost of the bad decision. It's the cost of you not making the right decision. And so if you want to quantify it, what's the cost of a bad hire, right? It's not just the loss in productivity. What about the hours that are wasted from the, the HR manager, the HR team, the, the, the senior management, I mean, however many dollars per hour you want to put in there. And then again, what's the productivity that got sacrificed that you wanted to get out of that person in the three months that you, after you let them, that person go, there's some, there's an Excel spreadsheet calculation waiting. And, and I think the average is two and a half times a higher. So if you're hiring somebody for, you know, $100,000, you're at already $250,000 in the hole by not trusting your intuition to hire that person. And, and there's a, that touches a sort of a key key sort of um, discipline, which which is obviously the cognitive biases, you know, that, that are ingrained yeah. in us. And and I think when you were talking, I think there was, there was two things relating specifically to fear, um, where I find that you know generally especially with entrepreneurs or there's a sense of sort of procrastination you know and and you know it's a case of like um being a bit too careful you know around sort of making decisions so so an example i've got one friend who who, who operates very quickly you know so his thesis is you know if, if he's going to make 10 decisions you know there's probably going to be two that you know are bad decisions you know so he's 80 percent sort of there versus people who are fearful to make that first step and they're very over rational, you know, about sort of calculating it. So they will maybe make, you know, there's two decisions, they will make one. So they're only sort of 50% there. So I guess there's, there's you know, there, there's, uh, depends on, on the decision. It's obviously how, how important it is. But um, yeah, I think, I don't know, maybe you, you can talk to that because I've, I've had my fair share of sort of, uh, I think, sort of ego and overcoming that. But I think, and generally I think, men might i don't know if in the research have have more problem with ego getting in the way when, when it does come to intuition yeah absolutely yeah. And, and men are a lot more riskier uh, and and it, from a neurological perspective the neurons actually go longitudinal in the in both the lobes and so there's less crossover from the creative or the empathetic part of the brain to the logical part of the brain uh, and so essentially so what we're a lot more risky we're more data driven whereas women naturally are more empathetic because the, the neurons are crossing so they're able to balance and we're also talking about 200 miles an hour right so we're not talking about uh, you know like you know it's going to take two hours for the <laughs> neurons to hit but even just that split 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 second is enough that that women are able to draw a little bit more empathy uh, and men or better effective managers are able to develop that empathy i don't want to hang this on a gender it's, it's just developing that empathy from both genders um, because women can certainly play a more of a masculine role or feel that they need to and ignore the empathy uh, and, so, and that's like there's a whole new discussion on that um, but what happens and when you're describing the quick decisions versus the, the longer ones it also you have to worry about the, think about the context of that decision so if it is a really important decision the good thing is intuition is a balance of head and heart the heart's the emotion it's already there because of the amygdala that's the emotional center 
And the, the logical, the rational part is that past experience that you've already had that's already demonstrated in the past that you've already been able to make that decision. Um, spending a little bit more time is because the implications may be really high. And so you, to make yourself, make sure that you're, you're confirming the positive signals, need to spend that time. Um, and so, so for example, I was thinking about that marketing decision uh, that we talked about last night. There are bigger implications because there's a budget implication, there's ads, there's targeting. And so we're, this is specifically a digital marketing play we're talking about and the different assets that we have. And I had to see how those different assets matched up in my head with the targeting and all that stuff. And I'm conceptually looking at this thing, okay, saying, no, that doesn't work. This is too long. I think there's a problem here. I heard a podcast where this this uh, guru said not to do that. All this stuff is playing in my head. And so I'm taking the time to think about, okay, we've got these three or four assets. What's the digital marketing play that we want to do? Because we're starting this next week. Um, and it just became clear to me based on the discussion we had. But I need to think that, that I need to take that time. The other thing is, as I get better at these things um, and your your intuitive muscle gets stronger, then you are able to make quick decisions or you have an experience of making quick decisions in a certain area that's always uh, it's always right. And so you don't have to wait on those. For those in the nascent areas or nascent, however you want to pronounce it, of, of getting into their intuitive ability, they're going to need that spend that time. Uh, but that's OK, right? Develop it over time and then it becomes quicker and quicker because they're learning about their signals a lot more. Uh, and then then they can calmly make that decision all the time. So now I can make a lot more quicker decisions with my intuition because I've actually studied it. Uh, and I, I've done such testing uh, with the stuff that I've made, right? And it's all, you're always testing, right? And if I, if I made a decision that was bad, I've missed a signal somewhere. Or I knew in that moment I was being emotional. We all know. Uh, yet we still make that quick decision because, oh yeah, I knew it. Uh, and so this is now us not trusting our intuition again, because we get that emotional trigger, we get that high. And so for me personally, let's say I get excited about somebody that wants to, uh, I get lots of pitches for people who want to do things together with me. Um, and so it's very exciting when you have someone that you know is, is really, you know, a bit of a business icon that wants to do something free with you. And there's that emotional high that comes with it. But I, I actually need the 24 hours to really evaluate that away from that person. Think about the strategy. How does it fit? Where's my marketing aim? We, I've still got, you know, the 12 month, 18 month, two year things that I want to do. How does that fit into my matrix? Uh, how's the, what resources do I need with the team? Is the team going to feel good? All these things I have to think about. And I say 24 hours, typically an hour later, I'll know whether it's right or not. Uh, and in, in, I would say most of the cases now, if I have to take that extra hour, I know it's not a good thing because it's, I, I'm, I'm already saying, why do I need to take an hour? Uh, and so in most cases, it doesn't work out because I know it, I'm just being emotionally high. We're all feeding off each other. Yeah, that's possible. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, I can yeah. see that. Yeah. And then next thing you know, well, yeah, I can, but, but here's this whole playbook I think, I've already got. And now and, I won't pick up another think, book. And I think you, you raised the just kind of a, just to bookend the the, 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 the podcast, but but I, I think what, what's quite quite fascinating, you know, while you talk is is all these kind of connections happen. So you know, if everyone, everyone's sort of you know, from a Jeff Bezos perspective, you know, yeah. you know, he doesn't he doesn't make any big decisions. You know, after lunchtime, you know, he pretty much sleeps on big decisions. You know, I think I think there, there's an example of 
obviously, yeah, exactly that, you know, also decision fatigue, making sure that your, your mind's fresh and, and refreshed around sort of making these decisions. Yeah, and, and, and actually, and if, you go, this, if, you, if you go on my website, yeah. I've got, uh, there's, a web, there's a video there with Jeff Bezos, Richard Branson, Sarah Blakely, Tim Cook, uh, mm. um, uh, uh, J.K. Rowling, uh, Harry Potter series mm. came from Intuition. Of course, uh, Steve Jobs is the the big one that everybody talks about. So, from the horse's mouth, you're talking about intuition. He talks about intuition right there. Yeah, that's perfect. And then, then also, like, um, I get a sense also that that it is about being present and, and mindful about your 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 signals or your biochemistry around yes. sort of these uh, when you manifest in a situation or, or in a decision like is there some crossover between uh, you know like meditation and mindfulness um with with getting a better sense of of, of your, your yourself because generally humans live in their head they live in the past they live in the future but but the importance is obviously living living in the present yeah and mind, mindful when you talk about mindfulness and meditation a lot of it is is in the language that i use is, is basically it's called an intuitive medium so meditation mm. for me a form of meditation could be daydreaming it could be going for a walk shower so those are my meditative moments so i simply don't have something that's formal uh because when i need to get meditative to think about a decision i go into it right away and and one of the best places for me is actually like every night my wife and i have a ritual that we sleep with one of the two daughters for the first couple of minutes and we talk about the day and and you know or we just have telephony joke whatever it is but there are times where i'm, I'm just like i'm just sitting in the bed and about to uh, get on the pillow and i'm in daydream mode uh, because I'm so comfortable there that everything shuts off and then my intuition just starts and sometimes my daughters will have to like you know wave my put their hands in front of my uh, uh, my eyes like dad are you thinking about intuition allergy again so at least they're mocking me but but that's that's my state and so meditation yeah. being in the present moment uh, I, I think again because this is so it's at the primitive part of the brain we're all now starting to put language around it that helps us understand that. Uh, so I have no problems with, uh, you, you know, if you call it meditation or some people think it comes from, there's a former NHL coach thinks it comes from the cosmos. Some people say these are voices from God. Other people like John Rothschild said, no, oh, it's based on experience. It has nothing to do with God. Fine, that's the language that you're putting yeah. around it to understand it. And, and who am I to shove my experiences definition out of your throat? It's your, it's your language, your definition, your amygdala, your experiences, your intuition. Uh, if there's some common ground, great, but I, I, I'm, it's just my opinion. You can your own set yeah. of experiences, indications. And that's, so yeah. that's how I keep it pretty loose uh, and how formal you want to take it. And I think I think time and place for me is is quite critical. So so with me, it's it's always it's it's generally if I'm walking in nature or driving, even in the shower, is when you kind of process those intu intuition or all those decisions or, or or creativity around around how to solve things. And it's I guess it's just being being aware. I think this has been a fascinating chat um, about you know intuition and intuitionology the science of intuition uh, I, I think it's and science and art uh, i guess uh, you know based on on on, on your reading your writings um i really do appreciate your, your time is there any anything you want to add um and, and share with the audience you know where can they find out more about this um follow you and and so forth and and is there an ask that you, yeah, you want to put out there 
Yeah, the, the only ask I do is to start today. Start today. Just start reflecting and just getting those inventory of signals, positive, negative, because you have to put in the time, you have to put in the work. And when you haven't done that, you've already seen what's happened in the past. I mean, it, 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 the proof is already in the pudding. Um, and so that's the only ask I have. Um, I'm on intuition, obviously, intuitionology.com. There's a free seven day challenge. I urge everyone to go through that and it takes you through again seven days you actually strengthen your intuition i have two case studies in there uh, with people that actually go through each day with you each task one is actually someone who john harris who sold his house he was about to sell his house and used seven days to sell his house he went from almost uh, twenty thousand under asking to making a fifty thousand dollar profit over uh as a seventy thousand dollar decision uh, and then the other one was someone who was a witness to a homicide she actually walked into her boyfriend's apartment. He had killed a friend of theirs, uh, locked the door behind her, put a knife to her back and told her she's next. Uh, her intuition got her to calm down, watch him. Uh, he assaulted her, choked her, asked her to clean up the blood. She refused. Uh, an intuitive moment had her open the finally open the door, 18 flights of stairs down from the apartment building and called 911 and she survived, obviously. Uh, but she used seven day challenge to deal to minimize her PTSD, depression, anxiety, didn't get rid of it. But she was able to find out how to really deal with that, how to trust people again. So if these two people can go through a seven day challenge to solve their problem, so can you. Uh, I'm on all, all the social channels, uh, you know, Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram. I'm going to try TikTok without dancing because if I start dancing, nobody's going to be following me for sure. Uh, and uh, yeah, DM me and ask any questions. If you have any questions, uh, absolutely happy to help any of your listeners. That's great. So thanks so much, Sunil, for, for, for your time. It's, it's been fascinating. I've definitely learned a lot. I know it'll add value to the audience. And uh, yeah, look forward to catching up with you soon. Great. Thank you very much. Cheers.